Good afternoon, Dave. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Oh, I've been better. You're Still look shaking this uh, flu that I've had mm. for the last week. But is that a man flu? Well, I don't know. That voice you heard uh, just then, <laughs> listeners, was Curly Waldhorn. Welcome, Curly. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, she's known as the Beer Diva, and also. Um, Started a new blog called Beer Style, and, and Dave and I have decided to. Well, we, we, we're concerned. I mean, this is like an audio medium, so like, if you don't know us, you don't know what sort of fashionistas we are usually. So you're probably picturing some sartorial uh, delights. Oh, just cutting edge. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to describe what you're what you're wearing, Dave? Uh, well, I do dress for for radio, so I mean, like, I've got some lovely sleek grey leather shoes at the I don't moment. even know what style of shoes they are actually that's Dave. how cutting edge I'm confused is. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm well what are they they're sort of like uh, grey loafers would you call them ah uh, look I don't know athletic they're, they're, loafers okay so they look uh, like slippers though the shape of them are like slippers yeah, they're, okay. they're as comfortable as slippers, slippers. As well. there's this thick sort of moccasin style that is just a delight to wear nice and I got these um, for free because um, my mum runs a shoe distribution warehouse. so And no one else wanted them, maybe? Well, possibly. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> now that you've said no, that, I'm not going to say who it is because that's, uh, that's awful. Yeah. And then I got these, and I've got some sleek black jeans from uh, ASOS mm. that they just shoved in my mailbox on, the, on delivery. Uh, and that cost me upwards of 11 or $12. Uh, and I don't remember where I got this grey hoodie from. So uh, that's, that's cutting edge. Here it is, isn't it? Yeah. I um, I'm wearing some. I got new shoes on. They're brown. They are uh, skate Slade. skate style. I think it would be. Is I it? I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, loafer. Yeah, loaferish. Uh, blue blue <laughs> jeans. I've got a t-shirt that's got a power glove on it. For those familiar with the Nintendo power glove, and it's holding a marijuana cigarette. Okay. Um, advertising a local band. Um. A marijuana cigarette. A marijuana How old cigarette. are you? It's like a sixty-five-year-old <laughs> man. Yeah. I don't want to say joint on air. No. Um, hey, we've got our explicit warning. It's fine. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, a local ska band, and nothing is more fashionable than ska, right? Yeah. Totally. Totally. There you totally. go. Totally. I feel like we could use some tips on oh, fashion, you, you've, Dave. What you've do you think? Gotten your um. Oh, and a, a grey hoodie that my m- uh, sorry, a olive olive hoodie that my mum bought me. Oh. Uh, Does your mum buy many of your clothes? She does buy a few. She sends me over a few hoodies every now and then from Does New Zealand, oh. representing my hometown of Westport. So big ups to Westport. That's lovely. <laughs> Our producer's <laughs> laughing at there. Maybe we need to get some uh, fashion tips uh, throughout this episode, Dave. What do you think? I think that's probably a strong possibility, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, come back in a sec. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we've introduced everyone already. Feels like home a little bit back it in does the studio feel like after home. a little while. We have had two weeks out of the studio, uh, or month out of the studio, mm. considering we record fortnightly. One at Boneyard, one at Two Birds, and now we're back at um, the headquarters. So this would be six weeks, actually. Oh yeah, two shows. I, just, I don't know why this is boring. Uh, but yeah, we're back in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as, as we mentioned at the top, we've got Carolee, uh the Beer Diva. Um, Sorry, I just nodded off. 
person. Not a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm that back. did mid-sentence. I'm back, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, before we jump into chatting to Curly, let's have uh, a bit of a rundown on some news. Um, there's been a few things happening since we've been out of the studio. The big one that I commented on my site, uh, it's probably about two weeks ago now, was the launch of the Crown Lager Crown Ale. You guys familiar with this one? Mm -hmm. The Golden Ale? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any thoughts on that, Curly? Um, I haven't actually tasted it. Maybe I've done something wrong and been swiped off the media list. So, yeah, I haven't haven't tasted it. Um, ah, Look, it's an interesting attempt at probably trying to get a bit more um, focus back into the brand. Mm. Whether it works or not, I don't know. I think um, I, I did listen to... Uh, another radio show where they were talking about it and most of the people ringing up you know were sort of ex-crown lager drinkers Mm. Um, and you know once it's hard to go back so whether they will get people back through a a new style I don't know Mm. I have given it two years on my uh, I've gone on the record that's a long time I think I originally put a year and I thought no I don't want to have to count the time. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think two years. And given the other products they've tried with the Crown brand have lasted not at all, basically. Um, yeah. And I think the reason my argument is that Crown is a gold bottle that you drink on the company card when you're an office worker. Yeah. It's often the beer that is at the you know gala events, and mm. the, which I really wish those people who organized it would sort of step out of that world. <laughs> I I would love to see them, because they, they sort of say, you know, we want it to be a premium brand, which is just meaningless. It's even, even sort of more meaningless than the word craft, I think. Um, no, no, it's a more direct meaning. It's like an extra bit of money that they pay for. It. <laughs> that's, that's the premium selection. Um, I'd love to see them put out a Saison or something in a, in a nice green bottle and then they can actually call it premium. And mm. But you know that would last l- less than the, this golden hour. I don't know. You could We'd buy it I if it was well made, but I don't know if that's going to support them continuing on that in their portfolio. Yeah. yeah. I just don't know if Crown's the right brand, though. Mm. You know, they've got their Matilda Bay sort of more crafty arm. Mm. I don't know what what their sort of future intentions are for Crown in going this direction mm when, to me, it makes more sense to be bringing out those brand extensions through Matilda Bay. Which is interesting with Matilda Bay because you haven't, I haven't really seen them using it the way they should be using I it. I agree, um, yeah. And someone There's asked a lot me, of potential. Yeah, and someone asked me about Redback recently and said how great that used to be and, you know, they're not a, a, a beer lover. Um, and you never see that beer anywhere. Mm. I've, I think I've tried it once since I've, I've been in Australia and... It was really good. It's a really good beer. Hmm. And the places I've that do tend to have Matilda Bay don't have that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, wheat beers are around now. It's They're not a new category that people aren't used to. Hmm. So, um, And they're, they're approachable yeah, it, for a, you know, I, I know my mum really likes, when she came to Australia 20 years ago and she raved about drinking Redback and she's not a beer drinker. And yeah. Got her drinking a style of beer. Yes, and the wheat beers can often can often be that sort of entry point into beer. Um, but you're right; it's it's a brand that could, I think, do a lot for Matilda Bay's portfolio. Mm. Same with Alpha Palau. Mm. You know, you don't see that around a lot, but it's a cracking Palau. So um, the last time I yeah. had that, I loved it. It was mm. um, 
delicious and yeah you don't see it anywhere yeah. there's a pub across the road from my work that um has a matilda bay deal and they used to have a permanent alpha tap so whenever we'd have a function there Perfect. that was normally awful i'd have a good option there and ever since they um, abandoned that it's there. gone so, yeah mm. you can still get bottles of big helga hmm. but you can't get um a lovely fresh draft version of Alpha. yeah It'll, it will be interesting to see i think you know with the sap miller involvement just where you know the whole cb um beer portfolio ends up hmm Mm. I think, yeah, there's about two or three years of complete changes that we're mm. going to see. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. An odd thing about the Golden Ale launch, though, was the, the way they marketed it and the press release, they used some really odd phrases Yes. in the way they described what the, uh, the craft market's like and what their market is like. And they were all, it was like a backhanded whack to their own customers. The craft is... Quality, no, craft is to, for discerning drinkers. Our beer is quality. Uh, I don't know. Is that dis- don't discerning drinkers want quality? I would have thought. <laughs> and they aren't, go don't hand they? In hand, hand, yeah. Don't they? <laughs> don't they want their drinkers to be discerning as well? Or yeah. Yeah, mm. and, and I a few. I sort of had a, as I said, a sh- couple of shots at a, on my site, and people turned around and said, you know, you're not the target market. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, why not? Yeah, you could be. Yeah, I like good beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they made a good beer, I, I would enjoy it. But so. also, yeah. like, in our little bubble, people that are more inclined to uh, seek out more understated but subtle, well-made beers are you and me. That's mm. They're the ones that are in our strike zone. Yeah, so yeah. Why, why, not, why aren't we in, those, in, in that target market? Definitely. Mm. Oh, Interesting. Well, I guess time will tell with that one. Um, the other the other big news that, that has happened in the last week, I think, um, is the Stone Brewing out of the US launching a Kickstarter for... Uh, well, no one's really sure what it's for. They've said it's for their um, beer garden in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And then and in East and the East, east Coast. Of the, yep. Yeah. And then it's also for uh, u- unique collaboration beers, which, um, in the words of Greg Cook, they're... I can't remember what he said. They're going out of the stratosphere and they're going to the stars or something. Uh, um, cross-planetary. Cross-planetary. Jeez. Wow. If you, if you contribute, you're a cross-planetary beer revolutionary. And what do you get for your contribution? <laughs> I you know. There's a this. wide range of uh, Oh, so you're okay. not across this at all? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. so, no. So this is, my head, you know, this is drawn quite a bit, of, a bit of criticism from people because Stoner multi-million dollar company well, that was my immediate yeah. thought <laughs> I don't was, know the exact um, figure but I think the European brewery and bistro 25 I think it was million. 25 million dollars that yeah. they okay. have already funded they've already s- sourced and funded the cash for that so, so what, how much are they looking for uh, one million. I've oh got, no! I've, sorry, I've got some spare change between one and one and five million I think so one million is oh, kind of okay. their goal but they wanted up to five and initially um, the rewards were for 50 bucks you get a big bottle of collaboration beer mm-hmm. um, and you had to pick that up at the brewery obviously because they can't ship it around in the US. I think there's sort of three or four locations right. that you yep. can okay. pick it up for. Yeah. And there's also $30,000 you can hang out with Greg for a week <laughs> um, but you have to pay your own. Uh, you would you want to? <laughs> <laughs> but the, f- like the, the, the funny thing about it is a lot of the higher up um, uh, rewards that you can get pretty much involve 
going to the opening gala events at in Berlin mm. or on okay. the East Coast, and right. they all say, "Well, well travel's not included in these." Gotcha. Yeah. So, so even in thirty thousand dollars, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, does it is it just an excuse to get people talking about them? It's uh, yeah. I think they've kind of come out and well, I, th- I don't know if they've admitted that it's marketing. Yeah. But they've thought, oh, okay, let's get a grassroots campaign and you know do some marketing for with the it. people. But it backfired because everyone looked at it, and fifty dollars for a, a beer in the US is incredibly expensive. That is expensive, isn't it? Um, so they've actually dropped the price down now to $30. Um, but if you paid 50 bucks, you get two. So Greg had a video, almost an apology video on um, on his website recently, like yesterday I think it was. He also um, did a, a sort of like a response interview with the website that um, it was pretty interesting, but it sort of seemed like it seemed like they pulled the trigger without really even thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. and and looking doing a bit at about pedaling. Yeah, and his apology video, um, he looked a bit crazy. He had crazy eyes going on. He's got that big beard now, and he has got those crazy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but he also came across like he was apologising under duress a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and now this has literally just happened. Someone's pointed out on their um, Kickstarter page, oh, Indiegogo, sorry, not Kickstarter, yeah, not Kickstarter. two different websites, um, that there's been about $30,000 of anonymous donations being made all within about two minutes of each other right? Um, for $300 each, which everyone's just ah. like, well, this is suspect because it's going really slowly and suddenly and suddenly bang. Because yeah. on the Indiegogo um, uh, page for it, it's got the target of a million dollars and it's up to about $150,000, so okay. it's not exactly going... Bonanza, yeah. um, and then all of a sudden there's this stream of three hundred dollar anonymous yeah. donations. Yeah. yeah, it's a interesting one. It for a company that do, does a really good job at marketing, um, it doesn't speak to me. I'm not a huge fan of their brand, but it does speak to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They do a great job of it. Um, to stuff up so badly is. Mm. I don't know if they filtered out any negative comments, but I looked at the comments on the Indiegogo p- things, and they were all like. Just mental fans, yeah, t- telling how glad they were to part with it, hard earned, and this mm. and that. The other thing is, though, it's not a f- they not, they've not floated part of the company. You're not buying any stake in the company. Mm. You're just handing over. It's just one transaction um, for your reward. Exactly and, right. Yeah. And then part of that is uh, you get a temporary. Um, Access into the I don't know I think it's called Team Stone, which is like oh, a, yeah. uh, it's like a club that they have yep. where they get discounts at their bottle stores, restaurants, okay. and that. And when you go to pick up your uh, reward, you then get to access any discounts. Hmm. So you get discounts off outlaying more cash. Today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I it's interesting. I I think done right, it could have been done. It could have worked. Mm. You know. You yeah. Get, the other comment that was interesting is that. If like it could just be a response and um, trying to deflect uh, the issue, but um, Greg did say that they didn't have the one million dollar figure in mind. They had to put a goal in there as a placeholder on the Indiegogo website, mm. and they weren't trying to. And he and he did concede that he's gone about it the wrong way and put the wrong message out there. Mm. But um, it might not be as evil as. Some people are. Yeah, I, I don't think it is. It's evil, street, but yeah. it's just a really 
bad move. Like, a misfire, basically. They it seems yeah, to be, because if you've um, just laid out $25 million for a European brewery and then you're asking for a million, which seems like a drop in the ocean. Exactly. Yeah. That's, the, that's the bit that's suspect, I think. And and a, a poor attempt at um, getting a bit of PR, I think, which obviously has backfired. But then but um, pr- prior to that, I can't think of how long ago it was, but then they, ru- they put a post on their website fairly recently saying that they will need about $5 million to get the... I think the East Coast Bistro mm. uh, up and going. So not long ago they've said that if they don't get cash soon, this might not happen. But then then saying, no, no, this is just to be part of this club for these mm. one-off collaboration brews. But the other thing is that um, in the uh, outline, uh, there's a few different... You can, bo- you can, you can pay f- uh, $30 for a particular collaboration that they're going to do with... Brewdog. Brewdog or mm. Dogfish, Dogfish Head, yeah. anything like that. Um, and then they've got it uh, marked that once they hit a certain dollar figure for that particular collaboration, then they'll they'll, brew f- they'll flip the switch, which means it'll be justified enough to make that. So I don't know. And they don't explain what happens if you, if you buy that and, they, and don't they don't do that. Because yeah. with Indiegogo... You get your exactly. With Indiegogo, they still get, you still get the money anyway if you don't reach your target. With Kickstarter, if you yeah. reach your target, you get the money. But you get the money, yeah. So, yeah, if no Ooh. one buys the Brewdog collaboration, then no one gets it, and then people lose their money. I, mm. Well, I assume they won't do that, but, yeah, interesting. But that was one... Because que- there were a few questions, like, people that already um, paid the $50 were asking what was going to happen to their... Uh, and they... they remediated that they're going to mm. give them two bottles rather than one but they didn't have an answer for what happens if you uh, part with this money and then that doesn't and happen and it doesn't that happen just wasn't addressed one, one big question as well a company like Stone who has a massive reputation even you know in Australia where we don't officially get their beers we people, lost our minds when they yeah, came across people here. go crazy oh for yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if they're announcing a brewery in, in Berlin why do they need any more marketing like that's a that's, That's enough of a message. Yeah, like yeah. people would, they've completely distracted from their huge announcement mm. to now it's everyone's just like, what the hell are you doing? Mm. Um, rather than, hey, good work, guys. You're opening a brewery in Berlin, which, yeah, it's a strange, strange move. move. <laughs> yeah. But don't I'd they move. have enough um, runs on the board, so to speak, to be able to get a bank, like yeah, bank loans? So. <laughs> from, like rather than, well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. If, if you can take six months off for a sabbatical, Around the world, surely you can yeah. raise your own million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, interesting, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks. And I guess the other thing, Dave, you went to Red Hill for their yeah, I went to the Secret Stash, Stash which oh, is always it's, it's always a good day. Out yeah, there. Um, and this particular one was sorry, we should say um, Red Hill Brewery in the Mornington Peninsula, Mornington Peninsula, exactly right. Uh, that was what was that? couple of Saturdays ago, or it was over a couple of weekends ago. Uh, I went up on the Saturday. It's always a great day out there. Um, you said the barrel age beers were... So, yeah, this year in particular, their tap list was exceptional because um, it always is, but this particular time was great. They had um, the Gin Barrel Temptation from last year, mm, which is just it's so fabulous, good. fabulous, isn't it? I've got, like, a really odd relationship with that <laughs> beer. Like, when it's fresh, I don't like it. And then it, as soon as it's a year old, it's magnificent. So that's a, a triple? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, Belgian, triple. Belgian, yeah, Belgian strong ale, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just it's a bit full-on when I first when I first have it. And then I, it was the last year's Secret Stash when it wasn't on tap, but 
Karen was just carrying around a few pictures of it <laughs> to give to people that she knew. And I was just floored. I was like, wow, July, this is last year. So it's like settled down a little bit. So yeah. it's just fantastic. We had a couple of vintages of the Imperial Stout mm. on uh, Double Barrel as well. And the Wee Heavy Scotch Ale was also t- really, really excellent. So mm. um, I think good, some, yeah. some of them are coming out in bottles. Is that right? Yeah. Well, they always, well, I, I say always. I think, yeah, they've done does, the, uh, yeah, yeah, and they've done the uh, gin as well. Um, mm. They've put that in some of the big bottles as well. Uh, they might be doing oh, the Scotch Ale as well, but definitely the Imperial Stout and mm. the um, the Gin Barrel Temptation. So it was mm. all sensational. And I can't think of which pizza truck it was, but there was a pizza truck. That <laughs> was, was good. <laughs> that just blurred into the background. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was also like a blessed day. It was, I was sunny. Say, the weather was, was amazing, yeah. wasn't it? I know um, we had friends down and you know, sporting commitments, so I couldn't get up there. But um, I just remember thinking how fantastic a weekend it would be out there. We were on the bus and we were going through rain and everything. And then as soon as we hit sort of like in off the off the highway it just was beautiful and it was sunny it was glorious so mm. um yeah always a good day out there so it was another good one cool um all right well i don't think of any other news dave got anything else happened? no i don't think so i think last time the only other thing we were on air for so that was two birds so. oh two birds opening yeah. yeah um yeah and if you haven't been down there i've been back since and had some of the um grabeens which is the chicken crackling <laughs> mm, <laughs> this is the Rockwell and Sons yeah, menu. Yeah, at, yeah. The, at Two Birds. Um, for those listening last week, they would have heard the discussion about it. Um, I had some of the chicken crackling by myself. Emma refused to eat it, I think. She had had a big lunch. Um, but it was, yeah, it was pretty delicious. <laughs> pretty unhealthy and a little bit gross afterwards. And was that, new, um, was that new IPA on tap at that Yeah, stage? yeah, their new um, session IPA, the Bantam. Because we had a little sneaky taste out of the out of the tank. Mm. How was it on tap? Really good, really yeah. good. It, it ticks all the boxes for a, that that kind of a session IPA. Um, wasn't too aggressive, but it was really tasty. So cool. yeah, yeah, it was nice. They know what they're doing, those birds, don't they? They do, mm. they do. Mm. Um, and if you haven't listened to that episode, tune in and, and um, yeah, hear all about the brewery and what they're doing. Yeah, that was a good one. Cool. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and chat to Curlie. Now, keen listeners uh, will probably notice that we're not actually drinking any beer this week. Um, why? Be- because we're <laughs> D- Dave, and I, Dave and I are going to struggle through a half marathon tomorrow. Um, so we figured it's a good opportunity to drink some water instead. Yeah, exactly. You look so enthused by this, Dave. Yeah, yeah you no, look really excited and pumped and ready to go. Yeah, I just sort tomorrow. of like I was. I spent three days of last weekend in bed, sick, and uh, it's going to be an effort to. to uh, get this done tomorrow but mm. we're hearing we'll a lot about this man yeah. flu you've got Dave. <laughs> yeah i know get over it yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how i've been trying to do it yeah i mean first day i got out of bed i went for a run and it wasn't pretty so um <laughs> so are you runners or is this just something you've decided to set yourself a challenge i don't to i do? have only started running recently and have okay. enjoyed it so, so I figured I'd yeah just do so it. i don't think you, you, you have you done a like a group organized run before no. yeah no neither have i so hmm. um I don't know, just one of those things. Yeah. Is this part of the Run Melbourne? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it is, yeah. Brilliant. And also, I think we both drink probably too much beer. Yeah, you've got to offset it uh, somehow. Yeah. yeah. 
Beer is good. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad, but it's really, really good, and that's why we're it's doing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've got Carol in the studio, um, and we want to chat about, uh, I guess, firstly, Beer Diva, um, mm-hmm. which is your sort of persona, so to uh, speak, yeah. your alter ego. Yeah, never um, intended it to be, but that's how it's worked <laughs> out, which is so good. Yeah. How did that? How did you become to be? Okay, well, um, I spent, I've been in the industry now for about 14 years in Australia. So um, I actually lived in the UK for eight years. And um, that was where I really discovered beer. And it started off being a sort of functional thing. And that is that lining up at the busy pub in London for glasses of wine, which didn't last very long pints you know you didn't have to go to the bar so often really so that was my (laughs) (laughs) solid logic I like that yeah Yeah. I just don't like wasting time (laughs) standing in a line Mm. um anyway sort of you know developed a bit of a love for for beer in in the UK and um obviously visiting all the the little small local breweries as well but um came back to Australia and actually started working for Lion which was great I was um I was working in direct marketing and loyalty in the UK and it was fairly new in Australia and Lion was setting up a program so it was sort of fit great fit I was you know Mm. pretty excited to be working for a a beer company um spent about seven years there and um I was very lucky to be taken under the wing of Bill Taylor at Lyon, who um, he's a you know like a Chuck Hahn. He was a big advocate for teaching people about you know the good side of beer, appreciating beer, loved all the stories around beer, and you know I just sort of got motivated by him, and um, he put me on a whole development program while I was at Lyon to teach me more about beer. So. Um, did that and um, then I realised that I actually didn't want to be in that corporate world anymore. I just wanted to be out there talking about beer. So I sat down with a piece of paper and thought, well, what am I going to call this company that I'm going to set up? And um, beer had to be in it, obviously. And then there were all different (laughs) names for females because I thought, obviously, being a female, I had to play on that. And... uh, had goddess, ambassador, you know, all these ridiculous words. Ambassador. Yeah. So, oh, I wish that Which, was the one that was successful. Yeah, yeah that would have really stuck, wouldn't it? <laughs> and um, I wrote Diva. And as soon as I saw the two words together, I thought that's what it has to be. So um, I really did set that business up to be, um, I guess, a, a business which was running public events, teaching people about beer, talking to people about beer. Um, and that was about six years ago. Hmm. And, um, you know, it sort of evolved from there. I'm still doing a lot of that, but doing other things as well. But um, I guess uh, my timing was just lucky um, that as I set up Beer Diva was when craft beer started to really take on some momentum. And um, I think around that time, particularly in that in the corporate world, so many corporates had done wine tastings to death and mm. you know beer was something that was interesting and there was more of it and more choice available and um it just became something that was you know an interest to the corporates who were looking for something different so being it fe- was fluky really being female and sort of entering into that world did you find it um more difficult was there sort of reactions uh, either way yeah, look, I mean, it's funny because even being at Lion, you know, it's still, I've been in a male-dominated world now for 14 years, I guess. So um, setting up Beer Diva, yeah, it was definitely a benefit being female because I was 
unique and quirky and you know it was fun for often I guess the people engaging me were the events people in the business who were tending to be female as well so they saw it you know as a bit of a novelty um going into a room then full of men Hmm. with me being the one talking about beer you could see there was a lot of skepticism initially you know you could see the guys that are going yeah yeah what's she going to tell us you know what does she know about beer um and I guess I was lucky with all of the stuff that Bill Taylor had taught me and you know I did a lot of my own research and I I knew more than they did Mm. and as soon as I started talking you know they quickly realized that I did know probably more than they did about beer and um so I I have been really well accepted um, Mm. and the breweries have really supported me as well so um yeah I mean it's definitely been more of a positive than a negative so six years ago when you started um this sort of stuff the scene here would have been in relative infancy. What sort of events did you hold at that time? Yeah, so I was doing, um, you know, your basic beer dinners um, for for the corporate events. They were, you know, always food. So I always brought food into whatever event that I was doing. And, you know, it was often just a stand-up casual canapé and beer matching experience. Um, we did a show at the Opera House. I don't know if you knew about that. Mm, the, uh, so that was... 2010 so four years ago and um, again I think probably we were three or four years too early for that just because it was still so new and so weird and out there so Um, what what was the show so the show was um, it was called beer is proof God wants us to be happy and it was basically five acts and each act centered around a beer style but tying into that beer style. So we had people sat around, sort of cabaret style. They had the beers on the table. Um, Spiegelau sponsored us with their beautiful glassware. Mm. Um, but tying into that, we had musicians on the stage. Um, I had been sponsored by Charlie Brown, the clothing designer. So every act, not only was I talking about the beer and the history and the flavour and you know some busting some beer myths, but I changed my outfit to reflect the style of the beer. The music then reflected the style of the beer as well. So I guess that was where the you know beer style, yep. my new blog, sort we- of was birthed at the Opera House. So that's. Um- <laughs> So that's why we interesting wa- image, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Uh, that's kind of what got Dave and I talking when we saw Beer Style, which is your, as you said, your new blog, mm. which is centered around um, yeah, bringing those things together: music, uh, beer, fashion, and art as yep. well. Yeah. And we looked at it, and admittedly, we went, "I don't get this at all." <laughs> um, what is she doing? Yeah, and, and, <laughs> you know, and we also are clearly not the, the target market for it. So, um, yeah. But we didn't understand it, so we thought, what better way to find out more about <laughs> it? Yeah. <laughs> to get Talk me directly to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, you know, it's something that they're all loves of mine anyway. They're all things that I love. And um, I guess with beer and you know, maybe being a female in, in the beer world, um, you know, there's a lot of really blokey stuff out there. And I... I guess with everything that I've tried to do with Beer Diva and now with Beer Style is almost remove beer out of, take it out of that world and put it into a a world that to me is, can engage a bigger audience, um, a wider audience. And, um, you know, I think beer as well is very sensory. 
Um, it's quite emotive as well. So, you know, to me, music is obviously very emotive as well. And, um, you know, just bringing the two together, I just love that whole sensory experience and then obviously, you know, clothing as well. And um, I'm not probably not explaining it very well, but <laughs> it's one taking it out of the world that is it's so deeply entrenched in. And, you know, I know we are all in this little craft beer bubble, but I get outside of that quite a lot mm. doing a lot of corporate events. I do a lot of training in, you know, fairly sort of, you know, upmarket venues but not craft beer ben- venues and you know it's the same old attitude towards beer that you're always having to go in and sort of break down that those stereotypes and and change people's perceptions and to me beer style was a great way of doing that of sort of tying beer into things that most people would never associate with beer mm. um and it's been great in terms of the the sort of audience that I am attracting um you know i've got over 60 percent of my viewers are female which is brilliant that's what i wanted it you know i want men to like it as well but i want women to see it and actually see that beer can can fit within um that sort of fashionable world um you know it, it can sit in other contexts that maybe they hadn't thought about before is it sort of giving um them a bit of a touchstone you know they they are familiar with the fashion or or they're interested in the fashion and sort of having that's what can draw them in i think Um, that's what is drawing them in actually mm. is the um the the fashion side of things for sure and you know i've now got some of those bigger labels following me and seeing what i'm doing which is great as well because i think you know again even with those um brands um, to sort of endorse something that has beer in there as well, mm. I think it's quite a big step for them. Mm. Um, and it's probably not something they, you know, you, you probably would associate champagne or wine more with fashion houses. Mm. Um, so it's great that I'm getting a tick from those guys too. It's just a great way to engage a completely different market. That's yeah. exactly what I'm trying to do. And, you know, I know people within the the beer world have sort of looked at me like, you know, don't really get it. And I'm saying... That wasn't us at all, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the way I write the reviews as well, I guess um, there are a lot of great sites out there reviewing beers. um, And to me, it's more about how this beer makes me feel. The sort of occasion, the setting, um, the emotion and the music, you know, how that sort of all plays together as well. So... um, you know, my reviews are a bit weird and wacky and, you know, I've seen some comments just going, had no idea what she was talking about, <laughs> but I really love the beer. So, you know, <laughs> that's fine. Well, no one cares about IBUs and... Well, that's and the thing. It's, yeah, it's exactly taking right. all of so that out of it. So I, I actually, you know, the, the actual sort of descriptor of the beer is a very small part of the review, but I'm just hoping, again, that it people will read it and go yeah I can see myself in that scenario and yeah this might be a great beer to be drinking in that scenario and obviously you know all the glassware's in the shot as well and Mm. you know it's just putting an elegance I hope into something that um, people outside of you know your non-traditional beer drinkers suddenly look at it differently. I think we I recommended a book on the show a while ago um, which was about perfume um, mm. And the reason I, I 
really enjoyed the book was the sort of descriptive language the author used, and I've never worn perfume, and I don't know anything <laughs> about it, but I really enjoyed <laughs> reading the, um, the the prose, and I guess that was, um, <clears throat> you know, that brought me into the world of perfume, and now I've read this book and know quite a bit about it. Mm. Um, so I guess, yeah, that might... Is that sort of similar to what you're doing, I guess? Yeah, that's um, that's the hope, and, you know, it's really fun. I love it. It... Um, um, you know, it 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 is a really fun thing for me to be doing as well. So, you know, yes, there's obviously that whole side of um, engaging a bit of bigger audience, and you know, it it does get really frustrating when you're just sort of given you walk into a space and you know you're just constantly being told the same things about beer. Mm. I don't drink it. It's really unladylike. You know, I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Maybe on a hot day, if I'm really thirsty, would I drink it? You know, it's just constantly hearing all of that and to be able to just go, look at it here in this, you know, mm. isn't this pretty? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it is pretty. And so I, I know <coughs> I've um, seen you say in the past you're a, a big proponent of, of putting beer in a wine glass as well, um, which I guess is sort of the same same thing. Yeah, the, the glassware to me I think is probably you know, the biggest opportunity to start changing some of those misconceptions about beer, particularly with females. Um, you know, I think the the majority of beer glassware is really pretty unattractive for women Mm. Um, and you know I still I go into venues that serve beer often and I'll ask for a wine glass and they're like oh yeah okay sure (laughs) and I think it's so easy it's Mm. so easy to do Um, so yeah look I think um, I think that's a big untapped easy opportunity to just think about how beer is actually being served to, and it's not just females either. I think, um, you know, I don't know. What do you guys think about most of the beer glassware that's out there? I'm a little bit of getting slightly obsessed with glassware lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like a nice glass. Uh, I it just, makes a difference, yeah, doesn't it? Of course it really it does. does. Well, one of our earlier episodes, we did a quite a extensive glassware um, tasting off air and then discuss the results on there and mm. it does make a ridiculous difference. Yeah. yeah. And, and also just um, the glasses we've been using at home at the moment because we've, we've broken a few of the Spiegelauer um, stem pilsners. Oh, yes. We only yeah. had one left but we went to a wine event and got given as part of the event two of the Rydell glasses. Um, Lovely. I can't remember what, what style they are. I think we've just been drinking out of those now and yep. um, you know, putting a, an expensive bottle of beer in that yeah, it makes you feel a little bit classier. Mm. But well, it my, changes yeah. the flavour. It also it helps. Of course it yeah, does. Yeah. Even the experience, you know, the, uh, the nice fine glass rather than the big chunky lip that you have to sort of mm-hmm. get your mouth It just gets in the way, I think. You know, my my glassware of choice at home are big brandy balloons. Mm. And when, whenever you sip, your nose is right in there and you're getting mm. all the aroma yep. of it. And um, yep. that's just the way I like to yep. roll. Yeah. And when you, you know, you look at Belgium and. You know, that's the strongest beer culture in the world and everything has its own glass. Um, it's not for no reason, is it? No, yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of them are, are exactly. pretty aesthetic. You know, the quark glass, for example, mm. is, is clearly um, made to, to look rather than made to drink nice, but mm. it's really fun. You know, you, you yep. go into a... You're sitting around a table and everyone's got a completely different glass yeah. or it's got a different brand on it. And well, it becomes a, a talking point and I guess it, um, again, changes that the sort of conversation around beer mm. because it is all about the presentation and you you know you it, it's 
stimulating conversation about beer, which mm. often doesn't get spoken about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that sort of sits on the table and everyone drinks it. But having that different glassware, I think, is a really great mm. way of getting people to actually consider a little bit more what's in their glass. And not too many um, Australian breweries are doing, I guess, stemmed, um, more expensive glassware at the moment either. Um, I sort of, a few months ago, I tried to work out who was doing glassware that I'd want to buy. Mm. And it was, yeah, really hard to find something that wasn't, you know, a pint glass or a, or a, um, a standard mm. pot with a, a brand on it. I think there's, um, I mean, there, you know, you go into venues and there's the whole practicality side mm. of things. And, you know, venues want something that's sturdy, that's not going to break, that, mm. you know, they'll give you any excuse. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so obviously those breweries who are supplying glassware to venues want it to be mm. something that is accepted by them. But, you know, I think it's up to us to push back on that and mm. provide the rationale as to why, you know, a certain glass should be used mm. um, for beer. Um, and, look, I think it'll it'll happen, it'll come, but, um, yeah, the, the more focus, I guess, just on service and presentation, to me, I think mm. makes would make a huge difference. My big One of my big issues is seeing them pour a beer and it pours, you know, with a little bit too much head and then they just pour that oh, all off. Oh, that kills me. And then keep topping it off and keep doing it and keep doing it. You just relax. Yeah. Yeah. It'll sort itself yeah. out. Yeah. Um, Look, I, you know, I'm in venues pretty much every day around Australia mm. and, um, yeah, the the whole beer pouring thing, that's a big part of what we're teaching um, staff. And just for them to understand why it's so important to pour beer well Mm. and the difference it makes when it's not poured well. And we have them all tasting beers that, you know, are poured badly versus a well-poured beer, and they cannot believe the the difference in the flavour. And, you know, I often say to them, you think about the the brewers who they've, they've sourced the raw materials, they've done the hard work in the breweries, you know, they've then shipped that beer to wherever it's got to you eventually. So there's a lot of work that goes into getting beer into a venue and they can stuff it up just by pouring it badly and you know when they realize the weight of responsibility on their shoulders and I don't think that message has really ever been talked or told Mm. to them because it's always been about you know understanding wine or making great cocktails but when they realize they play a role in actually you know the flavor of the beer just through their pour um they really start focusing on it more. It's, mm. um, it's great to see that sort of switch in how they approach beer. You mentioned um, at sort of fashion events or, or sort mm. of um, trends in terms of, you know, champagne or, or wine being the, the drink that, that always pops up there. And I think every summer you sort of see <coughs> a, a drink become the, the drink of summer. Yes. Um, you know, you see it in all the, the magazines or whatever and everyone's talking about it and I think last year, I think Prosecco was what everyone was yeah. drinking. Um, <laughs> and well, I just keep on seeing that pop up. Do you think beer could ever be the fashionable drink? Totally. And look, that's that would just be um, my ultimate win, I think. And, you know, I still have visions of um, women and, and men in the front row of, at the fashion shows sipping beer. Rather than, yeah, Mm. yeah, you know, something like that. And there's no reason why it couldn't be. Mm. And I guess that's where, for me, 
you know, beer style for me actually opens a lot of those other doors. So, you know, getting getting the fashion guys on side and on board and showing them a different side to beer, um, I think there's there's a lot of potential for it to actually go bigger and wider. Mm. And you know, look, I'd love. I we always talk about setting up. You know, just pop up marquees in. Uh, polo or you know all these exclusive events that champagne owns and serving people beer without telling them and you know saison could be a perfect style Mm. for that they don't even realize but served elegantly Mm. in a beautiful glass they're sipping away loving it and then we reveal that it's actually a beer Mm. and you know all of those moments any of any of those yeah Yeah. could easily do it and um you know the the big issue we have is perception we know the product's great and we know it can stand up to all of those occasions Mm. but it's getting through that you know Mm. that concept of what most people think beer is and it's always a a shame to see at those events they have the Peroni or the Stella and painting that as you know we've got a premium the best brand and you're just looking at it thinking man it's so <laughs> far away from that. I'm <laughs> uh, not saying yeah. they're bad beers. They're not beers that I'd run for. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't call but them But again, the it's still... And you wouldn't fly your flag on the basis of those beers either, would you? No. It's no. taking that next step, though, even with those brands, if they're the ones that are, you know, at these events. But focusing on how it's being presented. Mm. So not just walking around with stubbies and, you know, drinking them out of the bottle. Mm. It, to me, I think that that's just... Um, one, a missed opportunity, but two, you're just disrespecting the product. You know, we all know beers obviously taste a lot better out of the glass and everyone that works in beer should know that. Mm. So therefore, at any of those events, they should all be drinking beer out of a glass. I'm a bit of a glass Nazi, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Like, no one comes into my house and drinks beer out of a bottle. They just know it's not on. There are some beers that I'll drink out of a bottle. Um purely because I think there is a sort of a relaxation about drinking out of a bottle and I, probably once or twice a year I'll do it and, and go this is alright you can't see my scowl um, but, <laughs> but it's yeah. also situational I'm evil like, um, I love going to Northgate Social Club for a gig and having a bottle of steam ale in the band room that's mm. a good experience for me also it's harder like to spill your beer if it's exactly you, right, you can gesture yeah. with a bottle <laughs> <laughs> um, so throughout your um Doing beer diva and our beer style, uh, doing events. Mm. What have you seen change over the last six years? Because it'd be significant. You would have seen a lot of development in the um, yeah, landscape. Look, I think one of the the biggest changes from when I first started running um, these events is obviously just the choice of beers available and um, the styles that I was using six years ago versus now. Um, you know, I think it was very much sort of baby steps in those first six years in terms of taking people on that journey. Um, so, you know, I guess the American Palau's, the Pilsners, the more sort of just common, more approachable styles of beer. Whereas now, um, you know, I take people sort of so far out of their comfort zone. And I love the fact that, um, you know, they... I say to them, look, some of you are going to hate this beer, and that's fine, mm. but some of you are going to love this beer. This beer, you know, will change some of your lives. And I guess that's the biggest difference now is that you can really push people further because those sort of more um, 
as I said, the more approachable beers. Most of them have tried those now. Mm. So, and their beer education is definitely, um, they're more informed, they're more knowledgeable, they're more experimental. A lot of them will say to me, yeah, you know, I love going down to my local bottle shop and just buying six different beers. And, you know, that definitely wasn't happening six years ago. So mm. people are definitely engaged more with wanting to try different beers. Also, if you serving beers that are pretty close to what people already know, they're going to go, why am I here? Yeah. I'm trying something that I can just get at local. So. There is that as well, yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's fun. And I think the other thing that I... I'm noticing and you know it's interesting because even in those six years and even before that you know there were beer dinners being run you know beer and food matching events it's still to me something that is quite foreign to a lot of people mm. which I find really weird because I feel like I see them all the time but it's when you do run one of those events and people come up to you and just say oh, my God, you know, I've wasted 40 years of my life. And people have said that to me. They've mm. said, we have, I have never considered drinking beer with my food and I am ashamed of myself. You know, I've had people literally say, I'm so disappointed that I've wasted 40 years and, you know, I am now going to, next dinner party, we're going to get everyone to bring beers around. Mm. So, you know, that to me hasn't shifted as much as I thought it may have done. Um but it's, you know, it's great that more people are doing it. But, you know, I still think there's a big, big, big opportunity for the whole beer on, back on the table mm. and, um, you know, venues to be a bit more open to particularly – I'm only new to Melbourne, obviously. Um, Sydney's got a big BYO market, big bring-your-own market. I don't know about Melbourne so much, but it's always wine only, mm, which really irks me, really annoys me. I looked into the whole legal – implications of why you know is there a restriction for a byo license to mm. wine only there's not no it's an image thing isn't it's it? the yeah. whole mm-hmm. idea they don't want you you know bring a case of beer on your shoulder into their restaurant but you know no one brings cask wine into a venue you, it's just not going to happen <laughs> we did see someone at a vietnamese restaurant turn up with an esky with two, two blokes <laughs> oh, carrying but, it you know. <laughs> but they had a private but they room probably upstairs. had 20 people <laughs> yeah, yeah specify yeah. the whole byo yeah. thing <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, but um I, i've also thought about bringing in a you know, a bottle of um, sour beer. And yeah, exactly. I do that. I just bring the 750ml bottles yeah. in and I say, you know, I'll pay corkage and mm. they don't have any idea what it is mm. anyway. And I've had people from across the restaurant come over to me and say, wow, that looks really interesting. <laughs> what are you drinking? And, you know, it's uh, it often sparks a conversation. But I have also um, been thrown out of restaurants because I've, you know, had my beer under the table. <laughs> I do think that <laughs> my was my girlfriends the, um, are drinking their wine, and it just annoys me <laughs> that I'm, you know, because there's no being real persecuted. sense to it, is it? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you're not turning up in thongs and board shorts and just smashing VB no, cans. No, you're not. Like that. I do think that was the reasoning that um, Ben at Bridge Road put the Chevalier range mm. in those in big, big champagne bottles, bottles because yeah. it's more presentable on the table yeah. and that's mm. what you want to try and reintroduce. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's enough now in 750ml bottles, but you still shouldn't have to fight. You know, you shouldn't have to fight to take beer into mm. and drink what you like. I mean, to be honest, I... Um, I really avoid, you know, the big fancy restaurants because I know their beer lists are shocking, and that to me is a big part of, you know, that's the one night thing out. that's like really offensive. You see a really extensive yes. wine list here, yeah. a cocktail list, and then you'll see six like lagers, six yeah. awful beers. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I think I mentioned on the show 
a while back was I think places uh, nice places are getting on board with beer more but the beer lists aren't as thought out no um, they're not so we went to a place and their food was really you know it was really um, a lot of fermented food a lot of you know weird sort of raw stuff and mm. really interesting and the beer list was yeah there's some good brands on there but you know a brown ale yeah. I'm not going to eat a brown ale with, with their food no. I drink a brown ale you know there was needed to be that level of and that level of wine was there but that level of beer was yeah not great and we just skipped over all these brands that we'd normally quite enjoy but it was the they're wrong they're just the wrong match yeah yeah, and, also and it's that sort of intentions versus actions and, mm, you know, mm, yeah, good exactly. intentions but just badly executed. It's like mm. a token yeah. sort of effort. Yeah. To, so, yeah. yeah, we're a craft beer venue. Look at mm. this, yeah. But there's also, like, you'll see awful, like, people that take that cursory effort to do beer and food matching, putting, like, really ill-thought-out, careless matches on their menus mm. where you can make it really interesting yeah. and, and appealing if you, you just can. put a little bit of thought into it. But you know what? I don't really blame them for that because I think there's been such a lack of education in beer for so many years and um, you know the wine industry really were brilliant in how they educated everybody from drinker through to you know venue, sommeliers etc. Mm. There just hasn't been that level of education and it was interesting I think at the CBIA um, conference in May that when it all got summed up you know the 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 question was what is going to be the biggest game changer for craft beer and everyone agreed training and education Mm. and you know I think people that are trying I think good on them that they're trying but they're they actually don't know what they're doing. Mm. Um, so, you know, the more the more people out there educating them, the better. And it's it's starting to happen now. Mm. Um, what's the what What's the biggest thing you've learned over the last few years? That doing your tax really sucks. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Oh gosh, I mean, it's um, gosh. Well, I guess fundamentally you know not even the beer stuff it's just running your own business and yeah and I'm I'm really thrilled that I'm still here six years later running my own business and um, you know you've got all of that side of things to consider as well outside of um, just enjoying what you do and I mean it's funny because a lot of people say to me yeah how do I get a job like yours? <laughs> like, well, you just wake up one day and decide that's what you want to do and do it. But, um, gosh, biggest learning. Um, I think it's just got to be, um, you know, just use use your contacts, pick up the phone, have conversations with people, um, absorb and learn all the time. I think that's probably the biggest thing is just keep learning. You, you know, you never know everything. Just keep keep learning and keep trucking. <laughs> <laughs> so four years ago, you had the show. Yes. Now you've sort of kick-started a more focused uh, brand that incorporated all those things. Yes. Do you think that there might be uh, a reprise of that? Yeah, definitely. Possibly a it's good beer week event or something like that? It's definitely in the pipeline. So, um, look, I think... We'll see. So a part of beer style as well, the idea is to actually start running more um, beer style events. So I sort of, I, 
I stepped away from doing a lot of the um, private uh, public events that I was doing with Beer Diva just because literally they were very very time consuming and you know the corporate stuff was was happening anyway and I sort of saw that as to me they're public events because they're still the general public mm. yeah you just they're just a bit more easy to organize so um yeah I'm looking forward to actually doing some fun really fun stuff with beer style and uh, so my husband Josh actually produced the opera house show he's um He's from a very creative family. He's got an actor for a dad and a writer for a mum. She actually, his his mum wrote the script for the show. So um, we're already talking about... Very handy connections. The next, have, yeah. yeah, the next iteration. So, so maybe watch good, this space. Could be a week 2015 maybe or... Secret? Possibly, yeah, possibly. It's not that far away though, is <laughs> oh, it? God, and yeah. I know submissions sort of have to be done by October yeah, or something, yeah, don't nice, they? Yeah. So, yeah, look, I think there'll definitely be a beer-style event at Good Beer Week, it may not be the big show. The Sydney Opera House might no. not work for Good Beer Week no, in no, Melbourne. No, 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 <laughs> no. But, you know, fine. Fed Square. We'll just take over Fed Square. and <laughs> That'd be cool, wouldn't that it? That would be cool. You could, yeah, uh, big you could do a lot there. Big fashion parade in the middle. Yeah, I, awesome. I probably wouldn't go along with the fashion parade, but I'll support hey, it from a distance. If there was some balloon of light sources on, presented wonderfully. <laughs> you know, it doesn't... It's it's yeah. perceptions again, isn't it? Maybe yeah, maybe, maybe that, we, it's not could just going to be girly uh, yeah. fashion. It could be that that could be our touch. There could also the be like world. an instant um, makeover. Makeover, for, for yes, people, <laughs> we could do people as horrendous beer style as makeovers, beard, beard yeah. trimmings, and hoodie removing. That uh, would be great for the the good beer week. Crowd. I'll tell you what, <laughs> we could do is actually you bring your favourite beer, and we match, we style you to your beer. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? That would actually. Uh, yeah, that would probably go. be received way better than we actually think. I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, what are they going to put me in? <laughs> I think people would find the the comedy value in that, um, and the social media, you I've, know, I've yeah, yeah, to get yeah. on board. Actually, that's true. I've brought this Rex attitude. Well, here's a Hessian sack. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it could be fun. Um, all right, let's wrap it up there. Um, we'll come back with some recommendations and. Um, Finish, I think. Yeah, is the word that's, that's the word yeah. I want. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah. I had one more thing, but that was it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see so you in a sec. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Are you? I'm oh, not no, getting any okay. feedback. Okay. Technical difficulties. Um, we just gave you some feedback during that break. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, we had a, a lively discussion <laughs> about my, my beer recommendation, which apparently I've done before, so let's not mention it ever again. Whatever you guys. Um, Dave, you want to kick off with the beer recommendation? Yeah, okay, no problems. Um, uh, beer, it's an easy one for me. The last recording was at uh, The Nest, Two Birds, and... Jane gave us some Sunset Ale, which was tasting spectacular. So mm. I think that's one that's, even though it hasn't been around for a long time, and it sort of always scores pretty high on the mm. uh, Hottest 100, that sort of makes it a little bit, well, for me anyway, I don't think about it that often, but um, gee, that was tasting really, really good. So... Going, and, and, well. you, and you can probably get it at plenty of places. Normally, I have weird, obscure recommendations that you can't no even get. So why <laughs> why am I doing it? But yeah, you can get it anywhere. So um, it's probably good weather for it. So yeah, check perfect. out some Sunset Ale. Mm, mm. It's a Friday night. Finish work. Get one of those on a winter's night. Yeah, yep. no worries. Ease your way Fire into the weekend. On, feet up. 
Sounds like a good evening. Good. How about you? Uh, my one um, is now. It was going to be something else, but <laughs> it is now. <laughs> the Dole uh, Brewers out of Belgium. Uh, speaking of weird and obscure, um, I don't think people, many people know um, who they are in Australia. You can get them. Um, you get them like drips and drabs. You don't see them regularly. Yeah. Yep, I picked one up at the local homebrew shop in, in Yarraville. Um, and I picked up a couple, actually. The one that I'm recommending is um, Dual Teve. It stands for the Mad Bitch, um, oh. named after, I think it's named after his wife. <laughs> uh, a bit like my wife's better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we, we met her once uh, when we were in Belgium, and she was lovely. So she wasn't mad she at all. Mad. No, I don't think so. Um, and it's a, a Belgian strong. It's 10%. It's really drinkable. Um, you know, one of those classic Belgian beers. It's got a, an awesome label. Um, all of their beers have really fun labels. He does them all himself. Um, yeah, so if you if you find that anywhere, pick it up and enjoy it. What was the uh, um, the Belgian name? Dortive. Dortive. I think that must be Flemish. I was going to say it sounds yeah. like it would be yeah. Flemish. Yeah. Um, That's my kind of Belgian beer mm. anyway. Yeah. yeah, I think you can, we can only get a couple of his beers. The seasonals come in. You see them at Slow Beer in, here in Melbourne. Um, but he's got some, some one-offs as well. So, yeah, if you see him. Yeah, if you see him, grab cool. him. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping I will be in Belgium in September. Great. So I will definitely go and look for that. You should uh, visit the, the brewery. Source. Yeah, um, where is the brewery? I can't remember the name of the town. It's a very small country, yeah, actually, it's, isn't it's it? Not, <laughs> it's not too far away. Um, they are open. They do little tours, and if you're lucky enough, they've got a barrel room. Oh, great. And um, some pretty crazy stuff sitting in barrels that you might be able to get to taste. So Excellent. I'm not guaranteeing. I'm, I, I can't promise anything. <laughs> um, but it's a, a really, really I'll nice place. use my charm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> use your charm. Drop he, Luke's name. He's yeah, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Sure, that'll he, do it. He's the brewer that um, Macalla wanted to do a collaboration. And, he's ah, okay. bought, and he said, this is my, it's my brewery. I brew here. I don't know why I'd let anyone else in. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they haven't done Get a collaboration. Out, you filthy beast. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Kirillie? I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think I'm sure he's listening. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, sticking on the, the Belgian style, I was actually um, at Mountain Goat on Wednesday night. We popped in very briefly, and um, their Ridgy Ditch Saison, their collaboration with Brooklyn Brewery, was tasting amazing. Mm. So, um Dave was telling me, obviously, they uh, they shipped some grains of paradise and lemon myrtle over to the U.S. and then brewed it. I think it's 8.4%, but, you know, just drinks. That's pretty big for a saison. It is yeah. a big saison. Um, yeah, I put a big smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Are they going to package that, or is that just going to be whatever we can get in kegs? I don't know, actually. It's mm. a good question. It would be great if they did. Cause, um, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Popping up on tap quite a few places around the country. Yes. Um, but not, yeah, I don't know about bottles. Mm, maybe you need to get a growler fills from somewhere. Mm. Someone will do it. But, um, yeah, it was really, really lovely. So, um, cool. yeah, that's mine. That's a good one. Good one. <laughs> Non-beer, Dave, what do you got? Non-beer. Okay, so this is one that uh, we kicked off with Josh from Moondog came in and recommended. His non-beer recommendation was the start of the AFL season. And we're just finishing off round 18 now, which means there's sort of two months to go. And it's in a really, really interesting shape of the ladder. All over the ladder, there's stories. So your Bulldogs, Luke, yes, uh, have just started this really exciting, incredible young group of kids who are making it fun to watch teams at the bottom of the ladder. 
there's no like clear bottom teams. There's, there's not, about there? ten. There's, there's about ten teams genuinely in the hunt for finals. Uh, the top four or five isn't even set anymore. They so keep place there's just every week, stories all over the place. So it's shaping up as a really interesting, really engaging um, start of the end to the home and away season. And hopefully it's a really intriguing um, final series. So And who's your team, Dave? Uh, my team are the Saints, who, okay. uh, yeah, who, I, I mean, I didn't have many expectations at the start of the season, <laughs> but um, playing some good footy with the kids last week. So if they can. I don't know, continue that form a little bit. Um, they can, I don't know. The first draft pick could be good, so I don't mind if they don't get off the bottom of the ladder. Kirillia, do you follow? Um, well, it sounds really contrived, but we moved to Q last year and someone said, well, your local team's Hawthorne. So we just went, okay. Straight to the top of the ladder. That'll do. Yeah. And we won last yeah. year, which was brilliant. So, um, yeah, big game tonight, playing Swannies. It's going to be um, fantastic. Oh, God, I hope we win. I, Our family from AFL was not even in our vocabulary last year, mm. and we are nuts about it now. The boys, both of us, we've got two boys, they play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're playing footy. Wow. Um, so they're obsessed. Um, my husband's going to the game tonight. It, yeah, it's great. I love it. I love the whole culture of footy in Melbourne. But you don't exist in Melbourne unless you have a team. Oh, of course You're not. You're just not, yeah. not a person, are Because you? there's these like hugely emotional, engaging conversations that you are not part of if you don't I have know. a team. It's great. <laughs> I love it. It's brilliant. Um, but my non-beer recommendation mm. is actually something that um, <laughs> was a, a little recipe that was given to me only a couple of weeks ago. And it's you know, the classic 70s revisited. It's lamb in a bag. Lamb right? in a bag. It's so bag. easy. I love the idea you of this. You go and buy... You know, cooking in a bag, mm. okay? And that was something your mum probably did. Um, but you go and buy a roast lamb without the bone, chuck it in a bag, literally, put it in a bag, poke some holes in it, 150 degrees for four hours, and this lamb just falls apart. It is amazing. So there's my little lamb tip great. for you. All lamb right. in a bag. All so right. easy. We'll have that recipe in show notes, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, my one... Uh, at the, the top of the show, I mentioned that I was wearing a T-shirt from a local band that had a marijuana cigarette on it. <laughs> um, so we, we've seen this guy a couple of times, uh, the Bennies, who are a local band. Um, they are a white boy ska band. That's Bennies, isn't yep. it? Yeah. Yep. Have you heard of them? Oh, I'm just okay. <laughs> correcting your pronunciation in case anyone Kiwi accent Googles is, yeah. B-I-N-N. Yep. <laughs> um, what do you mean white boy ska band? What, Sorry. What <laughs> other ethnic di- diversity is in the ska scene? Well, ska is from Jamaica. Is it? Is yeah. it? Yeah. Ska came before reggae. Because all God, the ska that I'm aware of is just awful white yeah, boys. Yeah, That's yeah. That's what yeah. I would have Look, thought yeah, as well. Uh, so s- first ska was a thing and then reggae evolved out of that um, but Scar mostly narrows white boy like it's um, hard so. to imagine relaxed How Jamaicans funny. busting out a bit of Scar no me sort either. of the dance hall sound and the you know wearing suits and, and dancing along and so sort of like music English mods to me is Scar mm. is that right or yeah yeah around that time was uh, when it when it was sort of the West Indian culture was clashing and doing a lot of reggae and yeah um I forgot where I was. Oh, the yeah, Bennies. The Bennies. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Bennies. So they... Uh, Two things we do this section, and you forgot one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're a classic sort of white boy ska band. All of their songs are about partying or smoking weed um, or doing other drugs. Uh, so, you know, if you've got kids, maybe 
don't play it in front of them. They might get any ideas. But they, for all their, their negatives, which are they're a white boy ska band who sing mostly about smoking drugs and, and partying. Um, <laughs> That's what any band sings about <laughs> these days, though, isn't it? They are a lot of fun. Um, their songs are really catchy. They put on a really good show. Um, and, yeah, they're just the kind of band that you'll go see and go, that was far better than I ever thought it would be. <laughs> um, I know Emma really enjoyed them and she's not a fan of any of the things that they represent. represent. <laughs> um, and I'd go see them again in a heartbeat. I bought a T-shirt. Um, so, yeah, c- listen to the Bennies. Um, I think you can find them on Bandcamp or YouTube or all those things. Something like that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I might have to use one of their songs for my one of my beer star reviews. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can find one with the least drug reference. Yeah, yeah. there's one about riding his bike oh, in the okay. CBD, the but it's about right. getting drunk in the CBD. Mm. Okay. Does it specify the CBD? Yeah, it's okay. I, I got drunk in the city, I got drunk in the CBD. Okay, mm. that's sort of right. So you can get yeah. drunk in the CBD and do a review there. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Normal much Friday night, really. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, we'll wrap it up. Uh, where up. can people find you, Curly? Um, they can find me at um, beerdiva.com.au or beerstyle.com.au. Great. Um, and, yeah, sign up for my newsletter and we'll do lots of fun stuff. Awesome. If and they um, want to shout out on Twitter, where do they find you? Oh, yeah, Twitter is... Uh, Beer underscore diva, because apparently there is another beer diva who sells homebrew equipment in the US, but isn't active at the moment. Ah, so. I can't believe Beer it. underscore diva, or <laughs> here we go, beer double underscore style <laughs> on Twitter, because <laughs> there's lots of beer styles yeah. out there. Didn't really think about that with that name. but uh, It might make sense. He took all the underscores out of his Twitter name thinking about having to say all the underscores on, on the show here. So. Before we started a yeah. podcast, I was oh, hang did on. Did you get rid of all the underscores? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can um, get me at Melbdave. Well. Oh, sorry, I didn't I no, no, cut you off right. with the Instagram. Same same as my Twitter feed. Double underscore? Yep. All right. You Great. can get me at Melbdave. And at Ale of a Time for me. Um, email us, Luke at Ale of a Time dot com, uh, Dave at Ale of a Time dot com. Uh, or you can get us on Facebook these days as oh, well. Yeah. Like um, us on Facebook. Yeah, like us on Facebook. Send us a message. It would also be really nice if you could rate us and leave a comment on iTunes. Yes. Um, because we want to be number one in food. In Australian lifestyle slash food category. Yeah, we want to just soar and climb up the charts. Awesome. So. You, people would, I'm a little bit obsessed with checking the iTunes charts, seeing how we're going. I don't Where know. are you at the moment? Not too great. I think we're number four. 70 at the moment. Oh, no, that oh, hurts. I want to get good. up there. Who's, who's number one? Oh, Jamie Oliver. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Oliver. We're coming for you, in Oliver. In the Australian yeah. category. Well, yeah. it's, I think it goes by geography, so people in Australia have downloaded oh, that one the okay, most. okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, like, Jamie Oliver and Nigella Lawson, and, you know, we're competing with the likes of those, so... Yeah. If we can matter of time. There. Yeah, exactly. matter, of time. matter of time. We're coming for you, Jamie. Yeah, so give us a rating, give us a comment. That'd be wonderful if you could do that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me.